Welcome to our second annual Sports Spectrum Draft Special. Yes, it was about 12 months ago before the draft that we had the opportunity with our presenting sponsor of Compassion International to bring you the first ever draft special. And if you remember, it was loaded with a lot of quarterbacks, probably, frankly, too many quarterbacks, Dilfern Hasselback and Daniel Jones, Carson Palmer. But we had an absolute blast as we really kicked off the project and the initiative called Fill the Stadium. And you're going to see right there at the bottom of the screen over the course of this entire show, you can go to fillthestadium.com. And let me tell you, over the course of 12 months, yes, the world has changed in so many ways. And one incredible positive is we've seen almost 50,000 kids sponsored in that 70,000 seat stadium. And we're going to get it filled up. And tonight's going to be a big part of that. So thank you once again to Compassion International for being a part of this program as they were 12 months ago when we launched fillthestadium.com. And a year ago, it was a lot of quarterbacks, so we had to mix it up. Of course, you got to bring a head coach in. And none other than two-time national champion Dabo Sweeney from Clemson is going to join the show tonight. And I know that he's got a perspective on Trevor Lawrence that you haven't heard before. We'll then turn it over to a running back, Justin Forsett. I believe in my notes I read, he may or may not have taken a nap on draft day when he was a seventh-round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. But over nine years, went to a Pro Bowl, seven different teams. will bring a credible perspective on life in the NFL as a running back and now out of the league as a Christian business leader. And then lastly, I can't wait to catch up with my buddy Steve Stenstrom. He is the president of Pro Athletes Outreach. It was really his heart, along with the president and CEO at Compassion, Jimmy Mulatto. It was their heart to get this stadium filled. So we will go back to really the very beginning, over 12 months ago, when this initiative kicked off. You're going to hear from Steve Stenstrom, a draft day story that, well, I heard it and I'm looking forward to hearing it for the first time because I can't believe it. And in fact, it's so changed he and his wife Lori's life uh, that it continues to this day and has pushed him into ministry and all that he does for so many of us. So those are our three amazing guests over the course of this evening. Sports Spectrum, a big, big part of everything that we do here of this draft special. And I would encourage you tonight to go to sportspectrum.com and sign up for their weekly newsletter. It is awesome. Every single week uh, you get blasted with some biblical truth, some encouragement, some faith stories. And in fact, if you sign up for that newsletter tonight at sportspectrum.com. We'll throw in a free 10-day devotional and not just any kind of devotional. This is a devotional that each and every day is brought to you by a different professional athlete, Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, Orlando Magics, Jonathan Isaac. They'll all be coming your way. It's a perfect, perfect start to kick off a small group or maybe a new devotional group that you're spending some time with. So you can find all of that as well at sportsspectrum.com. Now, what a blast it is to connect with you, Coach uh, Dabo Sweeney, kind enough to take some time out and busy spring football and everything you got going on. And, and we're going to dig in a little bit to your, to your testimony, a little bit into your faith, how you live it there at Clemson. But uh, we're on the eve of the draft. We're going to be a week away from the draft. And, and I'm just curious, Coach, so curious, because you pour so much into these young men at Clemson. You know, your heart and your soul and you grow them and you develop them and then they graduate and then they move on to this thing called the NFL draft. How do you how do you like live that moment, that that, that almost parental moment of your kids are going yeah. on and moving on to the draft? What is the draft like for you? Yeah, it is special. And, you know, and just like it's special when, you know, because, as you know, not everybody's going to get a chance to play in the NFL. and We celebrate those guys. We we, we try to get 100% career placement every year, you know, with our senior class. Some go to the NFL, some are going wherever, but we really take a lot of pride in that and celebrating that. But certainly, you know, if you play this game, that's like the ultimate dream is to have a chance to, to, to you know, go play at the highest level. And, and I think it's 1.7% of college football players get a chance to play in the NFL. And, uh, you know, so that's a – that's a that's a that's a tough tough stat right there, and so we we put that in front of them in the beginning, and so for us, you know, we we want to say okay, if that's the stat and that's a goal, well, we've got to create an edge in everything we do, and we got to equip ourselves in every single area, because man, you got to separate from the pack, and and so we take a lot of pride, and one of the things I go over every year when we have our pro day, I, all the scouts and coaches, because I want them to know this place is unique. So 1.7% of college players play in the NFL, 
And I think I've had 108 get a shot and 80% have made the roster. Uh, in 12 years as the head coach, we're second in draft picks. We're second in first round draft picks. And so that's important. These kids want to know they're coming to a place that can develop them. Yet we've never had the number one recruiting class. Uh, and and the, the cool thing is uh, a lot of the guys of those 80% that have gotten the shot that made it, a lot of them were free agents. A lot of them. Uh, and we've had walk-ons get drafted. We've had guys that came here as five stars, you know, leave here as first rounders. We've had a little bit of everything in between. We've had fifth rounders like Grady Jarrett become the top 37th highest paid athlete in the world of all sports. Uh, we've had we've had a little bit of a guy like Jerron Brown play eight years in the NFL as an undrafted free agent, a walk on like Hunter Renfro starting as a rookie for the Raiders. We've had a little bit of everything. And so it's a, it's a cool moment when you see these guys and you know how hard they've worked to realize that dream uh, to go compete at the highest level. So, you know, it's, 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 we know it's a goal for every young person. We just want to make sure that they know when they leave this place that they're going to be great men and they're going to have great lives. Uh, they don't have to be a pro football player to do that. You know, that's great, but we want to keep the right perspective as they go chase that. You know, it was three years ago. I don't know if you remember, my little producer came and rearranged your office there that you're sitting in because you, oh, yeah. you and I taped a, an Above and Beyond podcast about your, your faith journey. But it was there. Yeah, see, that was back in the good old days. There was no Zoom back then. You know, <laughs> no. we just like talked. <laughs> That's right. You know? We got to be a person. Talk. And yeah. I got to sit with your, at that time, it was your four D linemen that all got drafted. Uh, I think three of them were first rounders. And I remember Cleland Farrell looking at me, Dabo. I will never forget this, nor does my little producer. I will never forget this moment in our production meeting. And they all did it as a D-line together. And Cleland looked at me and he got that old man wisdom, right? Kind of looked like an old man, even at 20, but he looked at me. He's like, you know what? At Clemson, we don't get used. We get developed. <laughs> and I was like, I oh, ooh, I'm, I'm going to write that one down. A lot of places yeah. use their student athletes. They use their players. We love it here because we get developed. You developed what looks like it's going to be the number one pick on this draft night in a week. Tell me about Trevor Lawrence, why he's ready, and what he's developed over the last three years underneath your program. Yeah, he's he's special, man. And, and good Lord was in a good mood when, when, when he made him. Uh, he, he must have had football on his mind that day because, man, this is – you look up – the epitome of quarterback. I mean, he's just the poster child of every area. I mean, they're really, if you had a hundred, like I, I've had a lot of great players, but there's always something I can like say, well, you know, okay, Grady Jarrett, for example, God, this guy's unbelievable. He's an all pro. He's all these things, but he's six feet, you know, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we've, we've had a little bit of everything, uh, but Trevor, like if there's a hundred boxes on the wish list of a quarterback, he checks them all. There isn't one. I mean, he's got size, he's tough, he's a leader, he's smart, he prepares, he loves to prepare, he's a grinder, he's humble. He, even though he looks like Hollywood, he is. there's no Hollywood in him. Uh, he's low maintenance, he's a great teammate. Uh, he, he can make every throw that you could possibly want to know, beautiful skills when it comes to passing the football and accuracy and, and his ability to process and anticipate. I mean, he just he's just so unique. He's fast. People don't realize how fast he is, but he can leave people. Um, and and so, you know, and then he's been he's been in like this is going to be and, and people will laugh sometimes when you make certain statements. But I just I just know what I know. And I mean, I'm not a, a, I didn't just fall off a turnip truck. I've been around football a long time. Uh, this will be the easiest transition of any kid I've had. Uh, and he's been in the spotlight since the ninth grade. He's been a starter since the ninth grade, and he's grown up in a social media. He didn't grow up like me and you, or like I didn't know who who the heck's Brock. You you pick up a newspaper, maybe you read something. Oh, I had a picture of you, and oh, maybe we'll see a game. This guy's been on TV. He's been on social media. He's had expectations. He's been in every seven on set. Did you have all those seven on seven camps when you were coming up? And he lead elevens and blah 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 blah. He's he's been the guy with enormous expectations forever. He, that's his norm. Mm -hmm. You know, he, then he comes and then he comes to Clemson 
And everybody's like, well, you know, he's going to probably struggle. They got a true freshman quarterback. And I'm like, well, we went 15-0. and Oh, they're playing Alabama. And Alabama had Tua and Jalen and Mac uh, Jones. They had Judy and Ruggs and Waddle and Devontae Thompson. They had Josh Jacobs and Damian and Najee. And we ain't even talked about a defensive guy yet. All right. And we win 44-16 to with a true freshman. He's just unique. Mm. He's confident. Uh, and, and he's very humble in his approach to everything. But but he, 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 what I love about him more than anything is he's faith driven. This the, he has built his life on a foundation of faith. Great mom and dad, great people around him. But he's strong in his faith now, and he's he's an inside out kid. You know, in this world of outside in, you know, people are paralyzed by other people's opinions and what some person says on social media and, and and all this stuff. I mean, he's not affected by that. I mean, he really isn't. He's got very thick skin, which, you know, that's a, that's something that's very needed if you're going to go play quarterback in the NFL. So he he's had a lot of success. He's had, you know, he lost two games in, ever here at Clemson. And, uh, you know, he, he lost once to, to uh, LSU and they were pretty good. And they were undefeated. We were 14 and one, and he lost this year to a really good Ohio State team. So he just hasn't experienced much loss, but enough to to you know keep that fire lit under him. But he's self motivated, self driven, and and he's going to set the tone the day he shows up. Like nobody, he's not going to wait on anybody to set the tone for him. Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer is going to love this guy. All right, he, he's he's going to have all those things he loved about Tim Tebow. He's going to have all those same things, you know, that toughness, that grit, but he's just got this elite skill set that you just sit there and you just go, wow, wow. <laughs> I could work with that. <laughs> I, I can work with that. Yes, I can no coach doubt. that. So you, and you the same every day. Yeah, you lead me to something here, Coach. And I, I heard in a sermon the other day, actually over Easter, um, or I heard the, the pastor say, religion can be private. Your relationship with Christ is public. And you called it right there, living from the inside out. Trevor has done that. It's been beautiful to watch. I've admired it. Love praying for him as, as I do your program as well. You live it from the inside out. Scott Drew just won a national title with Baylor. We just watched March Madness. He lives it within his program from the inside out. Tony Bennett won the last national title with Virginia. He lives it from the inside out. You've won multiple national titles, living it from the inside out. How do you do that in this day and age, in this culture with which you find yourself leading your young men? Yeah, you got to stay connected. Got to stay connected to the, to, the, to the vine, right? You know, otherwise we're just a, a branch will just, if you just, just, just dies. And uh, you got to stay connected. You got to be intentional. Uh, you got to really be smart about the circle of people. You know, you want the right voices. You, you know, you want to let the right things inside. OK, you know, it's, there's a there's a saying that says ships don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because the water gets in them. Right. And so, you know, that's what I mean, man. You got to you got to you got to have the Holy Spirit inside of you and, and you have to uh, you know feed that every day. You know, they're starve the distractions, feed the focus. Keep your eyes on the Lord and everything that you do. You know, in the good and the bad, you got to put your eyes on Jesus. It's just that simple. He wants to have a relationship. Well, you can't have a relationship with Christ if you don't talk to him, if you're not connected. And so I just try to keep the main thing, the main thing, my fundamentals of life, you know, and that's my keep the eyes on the Lord, on my on, on, on Jesus and everything I do. Believe, believe, you know, even when it doesn't make sense. I got to have I got to have an unshakable belief. All right. I got to believe in the word. All right. I got to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. All right. I've got to believe that he has a plan for my life. I got to believe that when it stinks and it's, I can't, I don't like what's going on. All things work together for the, for good. Right. I have to believe that. And then I can't ever quit. I can't quit. You know, when the adversity comes, if you have God as, as the, as the center focus of your life, He'll he'll use it to develop you, right? Not define you or destroy you, and so that's a choice. And when you have God as a part of that, 
then, then it develops you and helps you grow because we're always growing. And if we never had any adversity, if nothing ever bad happened, nobody ever died, you got every job, everybody caught every pass, you know, we won every game, every year we win the national championship, every year, you know, every, nobody gets sick, everything's perfect, we would never depend on God, you know. And, and, and God, you know, uses that if you allow him, it's a choice. He gives you the choice. He will use those things to develop you so that you can fulfill the purpose that he created you for. So I just try to keep my fundamentals of life the same, man. And I, I you know, I try to stay connected with my faith. You know, it's a, it's a devotional, it's prayer, it's fellowship. You know, I mean, we, we started, we, we, you know, we got a good staff Devo, it's just a constant. It's just it never stops. It's just a, like an always trying to kind of keep that uh, in the forefront. Uh, and I just think that's very important. And and just control what I let in, in between. I always say, don't let anybody walk between your ears with their dirty feet. You know, I, people will do that. And I, I just try to I just try to not pay attention and get upset, uh, especially in my job, you know, because I have a job. And there's a lot of people that they really can't stand me. They hate me because of a logo. Well, I mean, a man's got to have a job, right? I mean, I got to have a job. So don't not like me because I've tried to do a good job. So you got that group. And then you got other people that, that manipulate things or challenge you or they attack you for your faith or whatever. And people say they, they don't even know you. And they, they heard this and people will take things and use it for their agendas or whatever. And, you know, so you have to, you know, you got to put your armor on every day. You know, that's what the Bible says, right? You got to put your armor on every single day. You can't take a day off. It's like fish without water. That ain't going to work, right? You ever seen a fish just take a day and just lay on the beach for a day? I'll jump back in tomorrow. It's not going to work. Right? And it's the same thing for us as people. It's the same thing for me. So it's just a, it's just a, it's just a constant thing. And, uh, and you're right. You know, I mean, my job is to coach football. And, and I'm passionate about that. And I mean, I'm far from a perfect person, but I'm thankful that I got a God who will forgive me every single day. And he's always, he's unconditional. You know, his love is unconditional. And man, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And that's, 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 that gives me peace and it frees me up. And I know that God has put me here for this reason uh, to do what I do. And, and I just try to do it in a way that pleases him and glorifies him. And when I screw up, you know, I know he's the first one there to, to, to say, hey, you know, let's learn, let's grow, still love you, and, and, and let's keep moving forward and uh, just try not to try not to get caught up in the, the worldly things. You know, I mean, you know, I work hard and I, and I try to enjoy, uh, you know, the, the fruits of my labor and, and those type of things. Um, but, man, just keep my life simple. Just try to keep it simple. Last thing, Dabo. <clears throat> I had to do some digging now. Uh-oh. Yeah, I had to do some real digging to try to find your dr pre-draft analysis. I don't think Mel <laughs> I don't know if Ky <laughs> I don't know if Kuiper was around, you know, but uh, you know, the 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 40 time, the in and out of cuts. You're a very willing blocker. I mean, they, I, 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 they <laughs> missed listen, I was the best wide blocker available for the 1993 draft. There's yes. no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but last thing here what will be the counsel that the final counsel that you'll give to you're going to get a number of tigers drafted but trevor by all likelihood is going to go number one yeah what gonna, is the what's the final counsel that you'll whisper into his ear you'll shoot him a text you'll encourage him and i know you'll stay in touch as you have with all of these players through years what's what's dabo's counsel yeah well i'm gonna i always tell you know He's obviously stepping into a very, very bright light. And, and I'll tell him, just like I tell the team, man, don't ever let the light on you become brighter than the light in you. All right. You know, and I think that's the first thing. And so stay connected. Uh, and then I'll be specific with him in that, you know, just be Trevor. The things that have made you successful, you know, in high school and here, the same thing's going to make you successful. Just be who you are. You know, you be who you are, be who, 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 who God created you to be. All right. Obviously have a good team of people around you, which he does. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll tell him like one of my coaches told me, man, no job is worth sacrificing your family. You know, you know, keep your priorities in order. 
Uh, keep it simple and have some fun, man. Enjoy the journey. I mean, don't wait till it's over to, to you know, get serious about it. Don't wait till your career is winding down to enjoy it or to get that financial plan the way you need it to be or whatever. You know, man, just be smart. Uh, understand that everything you do, you know, which he already does, is going to be scrutinized to the nth degree. And and he's getting married. I'm, I'm going to be at his wedding. I'm actually, I'm going to be with him Thursday. We're, he and I are going to the Masters, and uh, we're doing a little event with, I think, Peyton Manning. So that, that should be interesting. And then uh, Saturday, he's getting married uh, to his high school, middle school sweetheart. And so, you know, just, again, uh, you know, just keep God first and and you know keep keep football in perspective and you heard it the other night i i uh with, with scott i've actually had several good conversations with with uh scott drew and uh, you know we, we we talk about joy in the journey and the perspective that god wants us to have is to focus on jesus others and then yourself mm. that's really the perspective that god wants us to have and if you keep that perspective and focus on Jesus, focus on others, and then yourself, then you can have joy in your journey, uh, no matter what you're dealing with. And so just be who he is, you know, don't compromise and, uh, and, and, and make sure when your time is up in Jacksonville that, that you've impacted that community way beyond the football field. Awesome. Dabble, keep letting that light shine, man, inside out. We love it. Yeah. I love watching you and supporting you. And thank you so much for taking time to, to, to be you a part of the it. show tonight. You got it. Good luck. And, and uh, congrats on a new gig, man. Uh, you know, so hopefully everything's going good. Hopefully we'll see you somewhere down the road. We will. Thank you, Dabo. Appreciate right, you, brother. All the best. Thank you. you. Well, thanks again to Dabo Sweeney for taking a bunch of time out in a busy spring. And, and I know he's excited as we all are to watch Trevor and his other Tigers get drafted. And I think you kind of get a feel, don't you, for why Dabo is so good in college football, so good to grow men, to not just win national championships, but also to lead those young men. So thanks to Dabo Sweeney. Thanks again to Compassion International. I've said it a few different times this evening. You've seen it scroll across your screen. Simply go to fillthestadium.com. We're getting there. We're at 50,000 seats filled, but we want to fill this stadium. So go to fillthestadium.com to learn all about the project that kicked off 12 months ago that we really want to see come to the finish line uh, very, very soon. Uh, but before we do, and before we get to Justin Forsett, former Pro Bowl running back, and Steve Stenstrom, the president of Pro Athletes Outreach, let's dig in a little bit more to who Sports Spectrum is. They are the intersection of faith and sports. They have so encouraged me and so many others out there in their faith journey. And to learn a little bit more, take a look at this. For the first time in my life, I cried out to God. He washed me clean and he, he was the bridge that allowed me to walk back into a relationship with my Heavenly Father. I've always had Christ to walk right by my side and the Word of God to guide me. In 1985, Sports Spectrum was born, and throughout the years, it's grown to become the world's premier resource for stories that connect the Christian faith with the athletes we follow. Sports Spectrum features a website that's packed full of resources, a quarterly printed magazine that's delivered directly to your door, a nationally recognized podcast with former ESPN producer Jason Romano. These are the people that inspire us. These are the stories that challenge us. And this is the faith that transforms us. Sports Spectrum, discover it for yourself and experience what happens when faith and sports collide. Well, it's a blast to welcome in Justin Forsett. Justin's been a been a little while, been a minute since I've seen you way back in Seattle. But congratulations on a pretty incredible nine-year career. Everything you're doing uh, is football, and that door is closed, and the business world is opened up to you. And, and most of all, thanks for just jumping aboard with us tonight on our Sports Spectrum Draft special uh, to share your stories of what that special day was like years ago. No, I appreciate you having me, man. Super excited to be speaking with you guys here today. And 
uh, I can't wait to share a little bit about my story. You know, I was doing a little digging. Uh, it turns out, man, your timing was a little tough. Like that draft, cl- that draft class you came out in was one of the deepest drafts, uh, multiple, multiple first-round picks. I think, in fact, three Razorbacks from Arkansas were drafted before the Cal Golden Bear himself. So uh, yeah. take take me back to that draft experience and, and uh, what that day was like to finally hear your name called. Well, yeah, it was definitely three Razorbacks and a, and a number of the running backs that were taken before me. Uh, but it was uh, it was a pretty special day. Uh, I knew back then it was only two days uh, within the draft process. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to go on Saturday the first day. And uh, I was kind of like thinking third, fourth round, uh, fifth round within that space. And uh, so I was at home. I remember my family, I was in my bedroom just watching the TV um you know watching those seeing those draft picks go by and uh watching the ticker and not seeing my name go by like you know that third round had come and gone my name has not been called fourth round comes and goes my name is not called and i'm just like man god what's going on like i was supposed to get drafted here i see all these other running back getting picked before me and uh so i'm like okay let me just take a nap and hopefully if i if i take a nap you know a phone call is going to wake me up and, you know, I'll have a team to go to. I take a nap. I wake up. We're in the sixth round and uh, still nobody's nobody's called me. My name has been called. Seventh round coming. I started getting calls from free agents, uh, like just for undrafted free agents. Uh, so uh, I was talking to the Bills, um, who had my my teammate at Cal, Marshawn uh, Lynch there at the time. was like, hey, man, come up here. Uh, we'll love to have you as an undrafted free agent. And uh, you can sign here with your with your friend, and uh, it will be a great opportunity. And then on the other line, I was getting called by the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and I was talking to the Vikings, and they were talking about, oh man, we need a returner, uh, we need somebody to come in and play right away. Uh, we'd love to have you in. And so we're talking. I'm talking on the phone on the phone with the the Vikings. I believe uh, it was Eric Bieniemy at the time, and uh, he was talking to me. And my dad gets a call from Seattle. And it was, at that time, it was seventh round. And, uh, you know, it's late in the seventh round at, at that. And my my dad my dad was on the call, and he was talking to uh, someone on the phone. He was like, hey, he's on the phone right now with the Vikings. So call back in a little bit, and we can talk to you. And they were like, uh, he may want to take this phone call right now. Uh, we're about <laughs> to pick him at pick 233. And uh, that's what I got picked, picked 33 in the seventh round. I want to know why the Seahawks called your dad. How'd they have dad's number? How did they that had, all they come down? Because probably they couldn't reach me because I was on the <laughs> phone with the Vikings at the time. Oh, that's funny. So at that at that point, and I'm sure your agent's calling you as well, and, and we're going to see this in the draft next week, right? You get to that seventh round, and, I, and you said it, like you're probably disappointed you haven't been drafted. But you get to that point, are you and your agent thinking, okay, would it be better for us to land in one of these other situations or better to be drafted by the Seahawks in the seventh round? I was happy. I was happy to be drafted, see my name go across the screen. Uh, it was a dream come true, even though it was later than what I wanted. But, um, you know, I was familiar with the Pacific Northwest, coming up here to play UW, of course, uh, in college. So I was really excited. And I love Overcast Day, so Seattle was perfect for me. And uh, so I, I was just going to – at that point, I was, my mind was like, okay, I'm going to prove everybody wrong, and I'm going to go out in there, and I'm going to uh, make a name for myself, and I'm going to have a long-lasting uh, career in the NFL. And uh, and that was my mindset going in and just to make the most of my opportunity. And we were stacked at that time uh, at, in Seattle at running back – at the running back position, Maurice Morris, TJ Duckett, um, Julius Jones. Um, I just came in a free agency, so I was the fourth guy coming in. But um, – I really felt I had a good opportunity ahead of me. All these years later, as you watch this draft, and we'll watch it unfold next week, can you put yourself back? And does it still take you back to those moments? Yeah, no, for sure. Every time I watch it, I think about me, you know, sitting in my bedroom, just overwhelmed with emotion, like the nerves, the butterflies. Um, and then, until, you know, this roller coaster of emotions until I finally get drafted. And, uh, you know, there's some people that won't get drafted. There's some people uh, who are going to undraft a free agent route. And it's, I just get back to that mentality. It's like, okay, I was the fourth guy 
uh, fourth running back in that room going into Seattle, and I got picked in the seventh round. Um, I'm going to make room, even if there's no room. So that's the kind of mentality that these guys have to have, and it always takes me back to that. How quickly did you feel peace? That uh, you know, that's the one beauty of it, Justin. And I remember back to to my draft day as well. And it's like, well, uh, ultimately, I feel a lot of peace because this is the direction the Lord's taking me. This is the door that's open, right? Like I don't have to kick yeah. a door down. They made the call. They invited me in. How quickly did you feel that peace, even though it was an overwhelming room, and, and maybe the odds were stacked against you as a seventh round pick? Did you know, like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where the Lord wants me. For sure, wholeheartedly. I knew that if uh, uh, if I got picked by Seattle, uh, that's where that's what God wanted me to be, and I had to make the most of the opportunity. I'm uh, try to have an impact when I get there and make my mark. Uh, so you know that emotion of just like you know feeling rejected, um, you know that was hard, um, but also knowing that you know God doesn't make mistakes and He had a plan and purpose for me. So um, I knew I was in good hands. Didn't it kind of set the tone in some ways for what the next nine year to year journey Man. would look like? Yes, it did set the tone. I mean, there's a lot of roller coaster rides, a lot of ups and downs, and um, a lot of rejection along the way. But again, God was faithful uh, through it all. You know, be able to play nine years in the league and uh, be able to take care of my family. Uh, it was it was a blessing. But yeah, that moment in the draft was uh, pretty indicative of the career I was going to have. What was it? Am I reading right? Seven teams or so in, in that nine-year yeah. span, a Pro Bowl, 1,200-yard yeah. season with those Ravens, sticking it right back to the Seahawks to say, see, <laughs> see I, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had a pretty good running back then, Beast Mode, so uh, you, you couldn't blame them. Um, so what now, Justin? Uh, it's exciting to see you mentioned your kids and providing all that the Lord's provided through the NFL to your kids, uh, but football's not it. Right. Football yeah. was an incredible avenue for you to serve him for nine years. But, man, it feels like you continue to knock doors down now after football's over. Yeah, no, I've been blessed uh, with the transition, being uh, full time as entrepreneur, uh, owning my own company and Hustle Clean, which is a mission driven self-care brand for the most active people on the planet, as we like to say. And uh, it's been pretty cool just being on this journey. A lot of uh, rejections on this side, a lot of ups and downs. But. God is faithful. You know, I know that he has a purpose and plan for my life, and uh, I'm just trusting him along the way, and he's been able to open up a lot of doors uh, for me on this journey. So uh, being able to run a brand and business and now a multi-million dollar business that's in Walmart and Target all over the country uh, for a little guy out of uh, country town in Florida, um, uh, it's pretty exciting to be on this ride. Shower pill, huh? Shower. <laughs> it all started with shower pill. That was it. That was the genesis of the uh, the company. And uh, yeah, it's been growing since. Wasn't Marshawn a big shower pill guy? He didn't. He didn't like the he shower. Was. The practice, he was. He right? was shower pill after <laughs> even after the games. He wouldn't even get in the shower in the locker room. He'd just leave. He had the shower pill moment. Oh, well, I'm so proud of you, Jesse. Hey, lastly, let's do this. Uh, there, there may be a future draft pick that's tuning in tonight. Uh, and, I, and if you had an opportunity to, to sit down with a with future NFL running back who doesn't know where he's going to go, he may not be a first-rounder, maybe a mid-rounder, he may end up after a nap getting drafted in the seventh round like you did, just give me some counsel for that young, aspiring player out there. Man, um, it doesn't matter where you go. Uh, and if you get picked, it matters what you do when you get there, right? I'm a wholehearted believer in that boxes are for things, not people. So don't let a draft uh, pick put you in a box on where you go. Um, like God has created you more for more than just, you know, football and what you can do on the field. And uh, nobody can play, place limits on you. Um, if God has already has a purpose and plan uh, for your life, embrace that. Um, and, all, and know that all the adversity that you go through and will go through, um, God will use that for your good. So that would be my advice to you. Sure. Appreciate your heart, Justin. Thank you so much for sharing your story too, brother. Thanks, Barack. Appreciate you having me. And joining us now is former Stanford great NFL legend, Many know him as the Pac-10's all-time leading passer when he graduated under Bill Walsh's tutelage, but I know him as Lori's husband and the president of Pro Athletes Outreach, uh, Steve Stenstrom. Thanks so much for taking some time tonight. 
Man, thanks, Brock, for having me on. And uh, thanks for dipping back into the uh, history books there with some of those uh, references. Well, take me back while I was graduating from high school, Viking Power Will Survive through the class of 95. You were getting ready to be drafted. Can you remember back some 26 years? It's it was it's it's like in some ways like it was yesterday. In some ways, I do have to rattle the brain around there a little bit, Brock, to get back to it. But um, obviously, the culmination of much of my life dedicated to a sport that I dearly, dearly love. Just like all the guys that are getting ready to be drafted in this year's draft class, they um, have worked so hard for it, and that was true across the years for all of us. And so uh, grateful, as you mentioned, to be able to play for Bill Walsh there at Stanford for three years and uh, wrapped up with the final season in 94, getting ready for the 95 draft. And uh, it was quite an extraordinary culmination of so much that had happened along the way. Um, and then interestingly enough, my story takes a little bit of a turn right before the draft unfolds. And so, um, you know, there's, there's the buildup for it. And, uh, and I ended up uh, through a convergence of events um, next to the bedside of my younger brother, um, and never actually had the opportunity to see myself get drafted um, back then. You know, it wasn't the age of, of cell phones and there was nobody hitting me up on my hip or Twitter or social media. And so um, though the, the Chiefs took me at the end of the uh, fourth round that year, I never had the opportunity to actually see that happen. And so that has been quite a defining moment in life. What were your expectations, Steve, going into that draft? Did you have any idea? Obviously, you were spending time with your your dear brother, and, and your perspective was probably very different than just combine training and interviews and everything else. But did you have any any idea where uh, the NFL would, would take you and where you'd be going? You know, I, I obviously recognized that I was the product of some great coaches along the way, Brock. And so I, I had become kind of um, – uh, pigeonholed into a niche along the way where I had to be ready for a certain um, style of offense. I had to be in the right system of offense. And thankfully, the West Coast offense was prolific at that time. And so I ended up uh, um, with a hope that I'd be in one of those situations along the way with a chance to um, uh, play for another great coach coming out of Bill's downline, so to speak. And, uh, and sure enough, the Chiefs fell into that mix and having a tremendous opportunity when they picked me up. So take me a little bit further, Steve, if you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, into that day, into that weekend. You know, most of these draft stories we hear, and especially now, I mean, it's so visible. The exposure is everywhere, right? The cameras are everywhere. The cell phones, as you said, the technology is such. But you were there with your brother. I mean, to tell me just how you... Yeah. How you yeah. live those moments. Thanks for uh, asking that. I mean, so to take everybody about 48 hours before the draft, I got a phone call that um, my brother, Jeff, who was a freshman at Cornell University playing on their football team, uh, had come to contracted spinal meningitis. And uh, I didn't know what it meant at the time, but I certainly recognized that it, it wasn't good. And so by the time we got back to Ithaca, New York, it was maybe the day before the draft. I can't even really remember, Brock. But it, um, the events began to unfold, and Jeff at that time was on life support. Um, and so I, I do tell people that I, I was – we eventually turned the TV on and uh, turned it on to ESPN and saw the ticker going across the bottom. But I was at the – I was basically watch, – I watched my name go across, you know, pick 134, Kansas City Chiefs, Steve Stenstrom. And that was how I found out that I was drafted at that point in time. And, uh, and we still had hope at that moment that um, Jeff would recover from that, but he didn't recover from that. And so we ended up uh, saying goodbye in that moment. And uh, so 1995, um, not long from not late April um, – we're coming up on the 26th year since that moment, uh, just like obviously around the draft. And, um, and so that was a defining backdrop for my wife, Lori, and I forever. It just it shaped our perspective on our career. It didn't change our hunger for the game. It didn't change our excitement to be in the game, but it certainly changed our perspective about where to put the game alongside of some of the other things in life. 
In some ways, Steve, were those some of the first steps to what you find yourself in now, a life of ministry that really when you were done playing, uh, was the Bears your final stop along the way in the NFL? You know, I, I wrapped up um, after Chicago by way of San Francisco, Detroit, and finally in Denver, which is where my wife and I now live, as you do as well. And um, But I, I basically... Um, resolved, I remember having a conversation with Lori not long after we said goodbye to Jeff and we began to wrestle with perspective and all sorts of things. And we were grateful to know that Jeff knew Jesus as a savior. And we had confidence in, in where um, his eternity was secure. And our, our ultimate um, final destination was gonna be the same. It's just the timeline changed on us. So what we did is we said, let's run this chapter out as long and as hard as we possibly can. Let's Let's play it for as long as we can. And I had hoped it'd be longer than six years. I wanted to go uh, well into, you know, I'd love to have done what some of these other guys have done along the way, but it didn't happen. And, but at that time, in a rookie year, we said, um, when we're done, the next chapter of our life is gonna be about helping people wrestle with ultimate questions. Mm. And that was the framework and phrasing that we even used at that time. We didn't know what it meant. Didn't, certainly didn't expect to go into full-time ministry. But when we retired in May of 2001, uh, it wasn't long after that that our ministry trajectory started. And then about seven, eight years later is when the opportunity came to serve pro athletes, um, mostly primarily in baseball and football, living the same lifestyle that we had been invited into through that 1995 draft. Well, Steve, I think this is a perfect opportunity to uh, to turn to a campaign that you and I are very passionate about, uh, friends and partners of ours that we have gotten to know over the years at Compassion International, and uh, in their heart and your heart and uh, their goal and desire to see kids sponsored and to fill a stadium. It's a pretty incredible campaign that's really catching fire. In 2020, COVID-19 hit the world where it hurts most. Already vulnerable children and their families were left in even greater need. The storm is upon us. Italy has now been yeah, The coronavirus. Spain more. suffers. Bolivia has reported more new COVID cases. More are expected to suffer. The world is on the brink of a hunger pandemic, pushed millions into starvation. You looked this problem in the face and said, not on our watch. You're working with other NFL stars currently right now. Brock, you are joining us. I think it's yeah. still the stadium.com. Some professional athletes and coaches are teaming up to help kids and families impacted by the pandemic. I'm Kate Keenum. I'm Alyssa Nair. My name's Carson Palmer. And the goal is each seat represents a child in need. We're trying to raise enough money for 70,000 kids. Nate Solder, two-time Super Bowl champion with New England. Tell us about the work that you have been doing. We partnered up with Compassion International. We're passionate about getting our friends and uh, teammates and other sports figures involved. Players like Nick Ahmed with the Arizona Diamondbacks and Carson Palmer, former quarterback with the Arizona Cardinals. They have a pretty big goal. You gave big and you spread the word. In the first half, you've already raised $22,975,002 and filled 45,950 seats. That means you've helped 185,000 children and their families. We're not finished yet. In fact, we're just getting started. I'm Jason McCordy. I'm Devin McCordy. I'm Billy Jess. I'm Jacob Slavin. I'm Maggie Myers. I'm Nicola Dojo. I'm Elizabeth Eddy. And I'm teaming up. I'm teaming up. I'm teaming up. We're teaming up. We teamed up because we know this is a stadium that cannot remain empty. Let's go. And Steve, we can even update that further. We're at 70% of that stadium filled. And I, and I know that so much of this was really at the heart um, of, of your desire to see this stadium filled. Jimmy Mulatto, the president of Compassion International, you and him had a pretty unique conversation. Can you take me and, and our entire audience back to exactly how that started from day one, Steve? 
You know what? It's, it is so exciting, Brock, to think that we are now sitting at about 50,000 seats and it just out of that 70,000, I can't even tell you how much that lights me up, but it, it's worth going back and remembering how it got started. It just, there are moments in your life when I just think the Lord invites you into the story that he's telling mm -hmm. and, and a simple conversation that's really prompted out of concern for a friend more than anything uh, can lead to something really significant when it's just brought before um, two lives and two friends who are trusting God to guide their steps. And so, yeah, I mean, we all know the last 13 months, it's been a disruption and it's hard to remember exactly how we felt when this all started. <laughs> but um, for those of us who have been around the globe and seeing conditions in abject poverty, it's not hard to imagine that a disruption here is magnified several fold, tenfold, fiftyfold, hundredfold, the people living in those kind of conditions. And so because of our relationship through Pro Athletes Outreach and Compassion International, I reached out to my friend, fellow leader, Jimmy Mayato, and, and asked him, what is this gonna do to you guys? And how can we help? And his answer was, Steve, we took on 70,000 kids expecting to get them sponsored through the normal events that we would host. And sure enough, I mean, the events in 2020 canceled, gone. And it just broke my heart to think these 70,000 kids needed a bridge that was gonna bridge from the beginning of COVID to the end of COVID. And it's truly a life and death situation. I've got four kids. How do I love my neighbor as I love myself? It's like, what? I've heard a while back, if this were your family, what, not what would you do, but what wouldn't you do? And so I think when you think about what wouldn't you do, it's a whole different question, Brock. And so I woke up the next morning crying, praying, thinking, dreaming, and reflecting on those 70,000 kids. I Google searched average size of an NFL stadium because all the stadiums are shut down now. Nobody's going to games anymore. Empty stadiums, 69,444, average size of an NFL stadium, and called Jimmy up and said, this is a stadium that can't stay empty. Let's fill a stadium with these kids and take care of them. And about a year ago around the draft, we got to do this show, Jason Romano, Sports Spectrum, and myself. And it was about a two-hour show. And gosh, I, I can close my eyes, Steve, and just remember that just so vividly and just our heart's desire to see, okay, Lord, what are you going to do next, right? Nick Foles and Carson Ballmer, Matt Hasbeck, Trent Dilfer, uh, Nate Solder, some amazing men, many of them leaders now on, on the team to fill the stadium. And to think it's now been 12 months we're at about 50,000 seats filled, but I know, I know in talking to you over these last 12 months as we've become closer, that you have that image of that little girl, right? That the shot that they took on the marketing materials to fill this stadium. And I know that's burned into your heart, Steve, that until we fill every one of these last seats, we're not going to stop proclaiming it. Yeah, we're not going to stop. And you were one of the first guys I called and talked to. You started talking to people everybody started just telling their friends. And it was it was gonna be, in some ways, this is gonna be one plus one plus one, and we're gonna get to 70,000. And quite honestly, I don't know that we're gonna stop there. Like, I think this thing is is rolling. And I think people's hearts are, are waking up to this idea, how can I love my neighbors? I love myself. How can I do unto others as I would have others do unto me? And put that into practice. And uh, I think this is this is the exciting time in the game, right? This is the moment when you've got the momentum going in your favor. We're, we're, this thing is happening. It's a snowball rolling and we need help. We need people. We need prayer. Um, but the, our friends at Compassion are doing a great, great work. And, uh, and these are the stories across pro sports. There's a lot of great stories in pro sports. This is one of them. And, uh, and our pro community is really excited to press in and get to that 70,000 threshold. Fillthestadium.com, right? Fillthestadium.com. You can go there and be a part of the team. Steve, thank you so much for sharing your heart, sharing your story, sharing your passion for this campaign and, and to serve the pros in the ministry that, as you said, you and Lori on that draft day said, you know what? When we're done, we're going to serve others. That's exactly what you've done. So thank you so much, Steve. Thanks, Brock. Appreciate you having me. Uh, looking forward to this draft coming up. You got it. I remember leaving 12 months ago, our first draft special, and just turning the computer off and being so thankful, really so thankful for the opportunity. It was a privilege. Jason Romano at Sports Spectrum, a huge part of that evening 12 months ago, as he is in this evening as well, behind the scenes. And he and I talked just about what that night meant 
and just hearing the stories and the passion that so many athletes had to do something. I think that's what we're built to do as athletes and equipped to do, and especially those guys playing now to win a championship and go get something done and to finish it and go win that prize, right? Run after that prize. And that's what I love about this evening. That's what I love about our presenting sponsor with Compassion International and their heart. And you just heard it in Steve Stenstrom, right? You heard it from his firsthand perspective on, on what this on what this project means, on what fill the stadium means, on what it means to get those kids sponsored around the globe that are in such adverse poverty and so much hardship and pain and to release them from that poverty in Jesus name. That's compassion's heart. That's, that's their mission. And to be a part of it is so special. I can't thank sports spectrum enough. I said it to you guys at the beginning of the show, go to sportspectrum.com. It truly is the intersection of sport and faith. You can deepen your relationship and your walk with the Lord right there. And in fact, if you sign up for their weekly newsletter that will hit your inbox, it will give you encouragement every single week. You sign up for that then you're going to get the opportunity to get a 10-day devotional, a devotional that's led by a lot of different unique professional athletes, the perfect for a small group or, or to just reignite your, your walk with the Lord. It is all there. Sports Spectrum brings you those resources. And if you sign up with them, you get that weekly jolt every single week to be encouraged. Just as I've been encouraged. I was 12 months ago. I'm equally encouraged tonight. Go to fillthestadium.com. Go to sportspectrum.com. Continue to just build up your walk with the Lord moving forward. And I can't thank you enough again to be a part of this special night.